When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Browns Patriots preview podcast here on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined here in this first segment by Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We have a packed podcast for you, as we always do. Ben Volan of the Boston Globe is going to join us to tell us all about the Patriots. Uh, Lance Reisland is going to join us to give us the keys for the Browns to beat the Patriots. And then Irie Harris is going to join us uh, in our final two segments to do some prop bets. And we make our picks at the very end of the podcast. So hang around for the whole thing. We're going to get you ready. And we start off as we do every single week with what you need to know about this game. Mary Kay, what what do people need to know about Browns Patriots on Sunday? You know, one of the things that I'm really looking at is the AFC Defensive Player of the Week, Matthew Judon, and how he's going to impact this football game. He's got six sacks already this season. He's tied for the the league lead. He's coming off of a two-sack game, and not only did he sack Jared Goff twice, but he stripped him once, and then uh, safety Kyle Duggar returned at 59 yards for a touchdown. So they're making those big defensive plays uh, that that we have all been expecting the Cleveland Browns to be making this season. And I think the fact that they're getting good pressure up front, not just by him, um, but also by others, including uh, Dietrich Wise, who has um, four sacks of his own. Uh, and then there's a few others sprinkled around out there. Uh, but but they're getting good pressure up front, and it's leading to some mistakes uh, by the offense, and it's leading to some interceptions. They've got four. Um, they've got four force, five force fumbles, three recoveries. And so I think that they're going to have to account for the pressure uh, that these guys are going to get. And I think it's going to be some of the best pressure that we've seen a team get on the Browns this season. And I think it's going to be a a good test for the offensive line. Uh, It's a good offensive line, uh, but I, I think they are going to get tested a little bit more than they have been so far. And I think he's going to be a key to the game. Yeah, Ashley, I'm trying to think. Matthew Judon, probably the best edge rusher the Browns have faced. I guess Khalil Mack w- would certainly be in that discussion, but it, I mean, yeah. it's probably one of those two. Yeah, I mean, Judon's having sack wise, is having the better year right now. So I think it's given how both of those guys are playing, and Khalil Mack had five sacks coming into that game. He was kind of going out of his mind too, but um, I do think that Judon's a tough tough assignment for this Browns offensive line. And, you know, they kind of did a good job against Mac last week, did a pretty good job against him. Of course, uh, Nick Chubb had that amazing stiff arm run into the end zone on that first touchdown run. So I think the Browns can handle it, but he's definitely a player to keep an eye on, especially like Mary Kay said, he's named the AFC defensive player of the week this past week and is just playing really well. So he's definitely a guy they have to account for. 
Yeah, the last thing you need is, uh, you know, it seems like Jacoby has struggled under pressure this year, especially when he's had to kind of go through his reads and, and he hasn't been as good under pressure. I mean, nobody's as good under pressure as they are not, but Jacoby has certainly struggled when, when he's been pressured this year. Uh, okay, Ashley, what do you have? Well, this guy we talked about a lot on one of our pods earlier in the week, but I truly just cannot stop thinking about Ramondre Stevenson, what he did against the Browns last year, and the fact that this Browns run defense just isn't good right now. 440 yards over the last two weeks they've given up on the ground. Um, The Chargers were the worst rushing offense in the league coming into that game, best passing offense, worst rushing, and they did whatever they want. And um, I just overall think that he could be due for another big day. The one thing working in the Browns favor right now is he might quite literally be like their only threat (laughs) on the ground. So that makes it easier to game plan for and stop. But you might remember him last year. He had a hundred yards, two touchdowns, 20 carries. Like he was a huge part of that game last year as a rookie and knowing what we know about Bill Belichick and how he game plans for people. He now has two weeks worth of film that says this Browns defense is not fundamentally sound when it comes to this defending against the run and they're not doing fundamentally sound things when it comes to things like tackling I think especially if you have to put Bailey Zappi out there again for a third week your rookie third string quarterback hand him the hand Stevenson the ball as much as humanly possible until the Browns stop it so that's definitely what I'm watching for is how much the Patriots are going to try and take advantage on the ground against this Browns defense Yeah, you know who hates running the ball? The L.A. Chargers. And yet the L.A. Chargers looked at that film from the Falcons game and were like, you know what? We're just going to run the ball with Austin Eckler and dominate on the ground. Mary Kay, Bill Belichick had to go back and watch that Atlanta tape and see Arthur Smith just run 14 straight times against the Browns. He he probably wanted to fly to Atlanta and just hug Arthur Smith. That was a Bill Belichick type of move. Like my quarterback just threw an interception. I'm done with it. We're just running right at you until we until you can stop us. Yeah, I mean it's really been something. Um, once again, I attribute a lot of that Falcons game to the fact that Miles Jadavian and Taven Bryan were not in that game. I think the Browns would have won the game had they been on the field. Uh, because I don't think they had enough of a passing game, obviously, uh, to get the job done had those guys been out there stopping that running game. I think it took them a while to recover from the loss of Anthony Walker Jr. Uh, I think all of these things will be better this week. I think if they they might be able to get uh, Deion Jones out there this week. And, you know, I mean, he might not know all the terminology and he might not know the scheme, but he knows how to stop the run and make a tackle every year that he's played. He's averaged about 119 tackles when he's played the full season. So he knows how to help stop the run. And I think he'll make a difference. I think a healthier miles will make a difference. I really do. So, you know, I, I just don't know if the run defense is going to be that bad again this week when they're making it such a point of emphasis, as we know, Joe Woods went over, uh, every single missed tackle with his defense and and they know the run fits and the, you know, to not get out of their gaps and all that stuff now. So um, I actually think that it probably will be better. And they, they can sell out a little more too on the run. That's, that's something else too. Like you don't have Justin Herbert there anymore. 
you know, yeah. like it's different when Justin Herbert's the quarterback. And if you're going to take away the run, well, he's going to throw for 350 yards against you. Um, you don't have to worry about that with Mac Jones or, or Bailey Zappi. It's just a different sort of passing attack. I'm going to stay on the defensive side of things. And to me, it's just how does this defense respond with their backs against the wall, with their defensive coordinator under fire, with all of these players under fire, right? I, I mean, people are wondering when this defense is going to look like that top five unit we saw at the end of last year. And that was kind of promised to us coming into this year. I know we certainly talked about how good we thought this defense could be this year. I, I think that was well-founded. And it just hasn't happened. And this is kind of one of those moments where you want to see how does a team respond when everything is just kind of everyone is looking at you and saying, you're not like, you're not good enough. We need to change coordinators. You got, there's gotta be a shakeup. How are you going to respond? And I I think that's one of the interesting storylines this week, Mary Kay. Oh yeah. I mean, it it really is. I mean, you know, we, we, it's gut check time. It is. It's gut check time for this defense. And as we all remember, it was gut check time for this defense last year after they lost 45 to seven to the Patriots. Now they need to go into the game against the Patriots and not let that happen again. They have to dig deep and make sure that they don't get walked all over, run all over, embarrassed as uh, Greg Newsom called it today, because that's what it was. I mean, it was a, a huge embarrassment what happened to them last year. They can't let it happen on their home field. Uh, Joe Woods can't be, you know, talking, having to answer about being on the being on the hot seat. I don't know. I, I just think the the return of Deshaun Watson to the building this week, as I mentioned before, I think that gives these guys the reminder that, wow, we have an elite elite situation coming back uh, for the final six games of the season, and we don't want to blow it and not have anything to play for. By the time, you know, he gets back. So let's keep this train rolling along. I think they have so much to play for this game. And I think they're going to rally. And Ashley, you don't see many trades made on Sunday nights after games. I'm like, I'm not saying that AB called up Atlanta like at five o'clock Sunday, but he might have. (laughs) (laughs) There was certainly a sense of urgency for whatever was in the works to get it done ASAP. Yeah. And I think... Mary Kay's right, I think, to bring up last year because this week has felt so much like the aftermath of last year's loss to the Patriots to me. And they haven't played the Patriots yet this year, but just like going back to that game, after that game, that was when JJ3 stood up there and said, it's like they looked at the film of everything we had problems with and just ran that the entire time. And Miles Garrett stood up there and Dan, I know we pulled up the clip last year of when you followed up with him after he said something about not making adjustments. And you're like, well, what, what do you mean by that? And he's like, well, I mean, we didn't make adjustments and they kept scoring. Like it was just flat out calling out his defensive coordinator, Joe Woods and things really did sort of stabilize after that. I think that this team just doesn't, it has too much talent on paper. And yes, right now, a lot of it is just on paper and that's relatively meaningless to an extent, but I think these are guys who expect too much out of themselves to just totally let this snowball beyond recognition. Um, and certainly anything's a possibility, but it just feels like this is going to be a group that that turns it around because there's there really isn't any much worse that this can get given what they've done 
against the run so far this year. Um, so yeah, at some point you do kind of have to buck up and, and move on. And it just feels so similar to last year that the slight optimist in me is saying that it could happen this week. Okay. There we go. Uh, we're just getting started here on our preview of the Browns Patriots on Sunday. Uh, we're going to have Ben Volan on here in the next segment after we take a break. Uh, and then we're going to make our prop bets. Lance Reisland is going to join us. And then we're going to make our game picks as well. That's all coming up on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. But first, uh, like I said, we'll take a break. And then on the other side from the Boston Globe, Ben Volan will join us. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're happy now to welcome Ben Volin of the Boston Globe. Ben, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for joining us today, Ben. So the first question on all of our minds is, who's playing quarterback this game? And is it going to matter much if it's Mac or if it's Bailey? Great question. I think it definitely does matter. Uh, I, I, I think Mac Jones... One thing's clear is he's not going to be 100% this week. And so I think Belichick, this is a uh, frankly kind of a tough decision for him because Bailey Zappi, the rookie third stringer, like played okay against the Lions last week. He, he didn't set the world on fire, but, I mean, they won 29-0. He operated the offense very cleanly, kept his wits about him in the pocket, uh, led some scoring drives. So it, do you want the 100% Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones at 70%? Like, I think if this were – Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, no question. You throw, you let him play, but I just, I don't know. This is a tough decision for Belichick and for Mac too. I mean, if Mac, I'm sure Mac, the competitor wants to get back in there and play as soon as he can and might even be hearing footsteps from Bailey Zappi a little bit. But if Mac doesn't play well this Sunday and has a bad game, people are going to be screaming. Why did, why did you put him back in? Let's go with Bailey Zappi. Cause you know, Mac Jones has not had a great start to the season so far. And He's uh, lost a little bit of the fan base a little bit and people are uh, there's zappy fever going on right now. So I tend to think the Patriots should be a little conservative and go one more week with zappy. I think beating the Lions last week maybe buys you a little extra time. But Mac is, I think, the clearly the better quarterback of the two um, and and the offense functions a lot better uh, when he's in there. So. Not a good answer. I'm kind of hedging a lot here. I would I would go with Zappy, but it, it does matter because when you're being chased by Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, you know, is Mac on 70%? Is he gonna be able to get away from the pass rush? Bailey Zappy can. So I think the signs still point to Zappy, but I, I I would not be surprised uh if Mac is ultimately the quarterback. Ben, you, you mentioned the the hearing footsteps part, and I just I find it interesting that Bill has been sort of non-committal when he's been asked about you know, when Mac is healthy, is that just Bill being Bill or is there really something there? Yeah, it, it's hard to see if if Belichick is playing checkers or if he's playing three dimensional chess here. It might, you know, it, some of it just might be him wanting to troll the media, which we all know he loves doing that and he doesn't want to give us any information. Uh, it, it is stark that he's not uh, being definitive about Mac Jones returning as his starter, because in 2020, we asked him time and again, is Cam Newton still the quarterback? He said, yes, absolutely. Cam's our starter, you know, without question. Now, I tend to think that was just because Cam Newton was the kind of guy that maybe needed the re reassurement where I think Belichick is testing Mac Jones a little bit and wants to see how he handles, you know, the rehab from the injury and getting back. So again, I, I hate to hedge, but this is the genius of Belichick. He keeps everyone guessing, and and I think he is playing mental games with Mac Jones. I think he is trying to troll the media and give us 
not a whole lot of information, but I also, maybe he's, he wants to see just how Mac responds and he will evaluate on Saturday. And if he likes what Mac has done, he'll, he'll pick Mac Jones. Um, so this is Belichick, you know, once again, just keeping everyone guessing and, he is very good throughout, throughout his years as a coach uh, at playing these head games um, and keeping everyone on their toes. Well, speaking about the genius of Bill Belichick, if you look at the Browns defense over the last two weeks, they've given up 440 yards rushing combined uh, in their two straight losses. And then obviously we know uh, what the Patriots were able to do from a rushing standpoint in their 29-0 shutout over the Lions. So is it as simple as Bill Belichick watching the film while he eats and rides his exercise bike um, and deciding that he is just going to run it down the Browns throats or is just that, is that too simple? I think that stat that you just said, 440 yards the last two weeks, I think the Patriots are salivating over that. And that plays right into their hands because obviously this is not a team, whether it's a 70% Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi, a quarterback, not a team that wants to be dropping back 50 times and slinging the ball all over the yard. They want to play ball control, control the line of scrimmage, run the ball a lot, mix in some play action, try to hit your big shots there uh, and just play kind of a clean, safe game on offense. Uh, the last two weeks, the Patriots rushing attack has been outstanding. Two weeks ago in Lambeau field, they brought some of it was because of um, injuries. They, they were down to one tight end. So they used a sixth offensive lineman as an, as a tight end, a lot and they punished the Packers defensive line really pushed them around even you know excellent players like Kenny Clark so they really ran the ball well uh, against the Packers and then just dominated the Lions last week again a power run game the, the Patriots offensive line is probably the strength of their offense a lot of veterans center David Andrew left tackle Trent Brown uh, the right guard Mike and Wenu Isaiah Wynn at right tackle has been a little bit of an issue. And, and Cole Strange at left guard, their first-round pick, he's been solid, but he's a rookie. So they, you know, it hasn't been perfect. But the offensive line has definitely been their strong suit. Ramondre Stevenson, the running back, has been phenomenal. Last week he ran for 161 yards. He's got power at 220 yards. He's slippery. He gets around guys. He can catch the ball. Like he's – and with Damian Harris hurt, it, to me it's going to be the Ramondre Stevenson show on Sunday. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots went – jumbo again and use their six offensive linemen heavy run and then some sprinkle some play action and yeah the fact that the browns run defense uh, hasn't been performing well i think plays right into the patriots hands so kind of to continue on that thread of, of damian harris being hurt and it's sort of being Ramondre stevenson's show is that something patriots fans have been clamoring for maybe a little more Ramondre? i know he had that big game against the browns uh, last year and of course had that big game last week like you mentioned I haven't heard too much of a drumbeat of he needs to play more. It's he's been probably, I would say on a pitch count um, with Damian Harris in a rotation there. And, and Damian Harris is a solid running back in his own right. He to me is more of the traditional first and second round guy, second down guy, not necessarily someone who's great in the passing game Whereas Stevenson to me kind of does it all now in his second season. And, and he's, with James White retiring um, from that third down back, that's more of Stevenson's role. Uh, but I haven't heard too much clamoring from fans that they need to keep feeding him more. I, I think people understand that it's a long season. You want to make sure that Stevenson is fresh. So I'll be intrigued to, to see what happens this Sunday with Harris most likely not playing. 
do they still keep Stevenson on a pitch count and try to mix in a guy like Pierre Strong, who's a rookie fourth-round pick who really hasn't played much yet? They just called up a, another guy, I believe his name is Kevin Harris, from the practice squad today. Are they going to get those guys more involved, or are they just going to feed Ramondre Stevenson 30 handoffs? I, I have a feeling it might be that, that they're just going to let Stevenson kind of take over and use the other guys, you know, maybe as an occasional change-up or in case of emergency. But Stevenson's been fantastic, and – with you know either Mac Jones playing hurt or with Bailey Zappi uh, playing Sunday, I, I definitely think Stevenson is going to be a big part of this offense. All right, I have two edge rushers on my mind that I want to ask you about. Um, one for either team. The first one is Miles Garrett, and you mentioned Trent Brown. How do you think uh, that the left tackle will match up against Miles? Now, of course, you know Miles is coming off of an, an accident and some injuries he got a day of rest today but you know about miles and Jadavian Clowney so just curious about how you think that matchup will go and then conversely wondering about the great Matthew Judon and how the Browns will handle him it's a great question so I have a question for you is Miles Garrett a guy who always lines up over the left tackle or do they move him around at all you know what? He um, used to move around more than he has been this season. Uh, I don't know if they'll free him up and try to get him moving around a little bit more this game. They haven't done it much uh, to date, but um, I, I could see them starting to do it a little bit more because he hasn't had the production that he wants and it's been a little bit predictable. So I wouldn't be surprised if they move him around a bit. Well, if he's comfortable rushing off the opposite side at all, then I would move him over the Patriots right tackle because to me, Trent Brown is playing pretty well right now at left tackle. He's clearly their their best offensive lineman and the Patriots right tackle, Isaiah Wayne is really struggling. He'd never played right tackle or anywhere on the right side before this year. And you know, they say it's like uh, brushing your teeth with your left hand or trying to you know learn how to write with your left hand. It's just everything's backwards. And he's really struggling with that transition leads the league with seven penalties gave up a couple sacks against the the Packers where the the edge rusher just ran right around him. So if I were the Browns, you've got to attack Isaiah Wynn. He's just a guy who has been okay in run blocking, but pass pro, he's clearly just uncomfortable at that right tackle spot. So whether he's going up against Clowney or I would move Miles Garrett over there, the right tackle is really the, the sore spot for the Patriots on their offensive line. Trent Brown, he's such a mountain of a man. He's 6'8", 370 pounds, whatever he is. He's a beast. Um, he, he, you see him on the film against the Packers a couple weeks ago, he's, uh, finishing blocks and he just turns to no one, but he just starts like flexing after each block. Like he was just loving the power run game and, and just moving guys. Um, so that'd be a fun matchup, him versus miles Garrett, the two of the, I think preeminent players at their positions. But if I'm the Browns, I, I would really find ways to attack Isaiah win. And I would expect the Patriots to help him out with tight ends bring in that sixth offensive lineman I was talking about. Belichick's aware of this discrepancy as well, whether it's Clowney or Garrett, but the right tackle spot is where the Browns need to really attack. And how about Judon? Give me, give us your thoughts on, on what Judon's going to be able to do in this game. Yeah. The reigning um, AFC defensive player of the week had he's the first player in Patriots history to have uh, at least one sack in each of the team's first five games. He had two last week. So I think he's got six on the season. His one of his sacks was a strip sack on fourth down Patriots returned in 59 yards the other way for a fumble. So he's, he's been fantastic, very disruptive. Um, he's listed as linebacker, but he plays up on the line of scrimmage, usually over, I believe uh, the right tackle, but the Patriots do move guys around a lot. 
Um, they, they've used a lot of these uh, zero, zero pressures this year, like cover zero where like all out blitzes and it leaves their defensive backs on an Island, but it forces the quarterback to get the ball out quickly. Um, so they, they've been a big, like sit back on first and second down and then blitz on third down and make the quarterback get rid of the ball quickly. So we'll see how Jacoby Brissett handles all of that, but Judon's been terrific and, and, you know, playing this year, like he shot out of a cannon. The issue with him is he, he did this last year too, where he had, I want to say 12 and a half sacks in the first 12 or 13 games and then nothing, zero sacks over the last five or six games. Uh, and that was what the entire team did too. They just fell apart in December and January, completely ran out of steam. So that's, and, and Judon has pretty much talked openly about how he needs to pace himself better and work on his conditioning. So um, unfortunately for the Browns, they got him at the part of the season where he plays like a man with his hair on fire. The, the real issue with him is going to be, can he keep it going into December and January? Now, of course, we, we talked about how the Patriots can run the football, but how will they deal with Nick Chubb? Yeah, it, it, it the Patriots defense, I think, has to start with stopping the run this weekend. Um, Browns are pretty similar. You know, they're a, a team, too, that I think doesn't want to put too much on their quarterback and they want to run the ball and set up play action. And they do it really well. And, you know, you would never know that the Patriots beat them 45 to seven last year because Belichick has been talking about this team and specifically their run game and Nick Chubb, like, you know, they're Walter Payton out here. <laughs> like it's the, the greatest show ever. Now he's, he's no question having a phenomenal season. And I, I really like Stefanski's offense and they hit some really, really tough runs in the run game. And I think just playing this type of offense over the years, the Patriots are stressing just like gap discipline this week and not overrunning the plays and making sure they have that backside help because you get those stretch runs and you get the cutback. And we, you know, we've seen the Browns hit some really big runs off that stuff. So it's going to be up to the edge guys, Dietrich wise, Matt Judon. They've got to, they've got to stay home. Kyle Duggar, the safety, Adrian Phillips, the, the Patriots almost as a base defense, they place three safeties. Um, and two of them, Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips, are basically like hybrid linebackers and two of their best open field tacklers um, and guys that really do a lot for them on defense. So uh, the, the guys I mentioned up front, Wise and Judon, and then um, Duggar and Phillips are really going to have to stay disciplined, set the edge, and make sure that uh, they don't give up these huge cutback lanes for Nick Chubb. And just the, you know, the last thing for me, really, is there something about this game that you would consider the key to the game, something that the uh, the Patriots are absolutely going to have to do uh, to be able to come out of here at three and three? I, it's all about the turnover battle for me. The Patriots, they play, you know, this is not a team that can overcome too many mistakes. They don't have a very dynamic offense, uh, um, especially the first few weeks with Mac Jones. I think before he got hurt, he only had two touchdowns and five interceptions, and they really didn't have many big plays. And even the last couple of weeks with Bailey Zappi, obviously the offense hasn't done much. So this is not a team that can overcome a lot. This is not you know Patrick Mahomes where they don't even blink when it's fourteen nothing. So for the Patriots, it's they got to play from ahead. They got to play a clean game. They got to win the turnover battles. So it's um, you know that that's kind of the the formula for them this year, and and it's living dangerously because you know they don't have a very dynamic offense and. It's not a very big margin for error, but that's kind of what it's got to be. So they've got to establish that run. And whether it's Zappy or Mac Jones, they got to not turn the ball over, force a couple on defense, get in Jacoby Brissett's face. Uh, two, you know, two very similar teams that want to run the ball and kind of limit the impact of the quarterback. So we'll see uh, which team uh, is more effective at that on Sunday. Ben, do you have a pick for this game? Yeah, I think I'm still picking the Patriots. Uh, I, I just, I like, 
the Patriots run offense against the Browns run defense. And I, and I think the Patriots defense will have a better plan against Jacoby Brissett and that run game. The Browns, I think it'll be a lot closer than 45, seven, but I don't know. I think the Patriots are going to be able to come into uh, Cleveland and, and pull off the upset. Um, let's go with uh, 23 to 19. I think we'll see a lot of field goals, not many touchdowns, um, but I, I just, I like the way the Patriots uh, have this matchup. Uh, sets up for them this Sunday. And then where can people find all your work? Uh, please follow me on Twitter at Ben Volin. That's V-O-L-I-N. And please uh, read my work online at boss at uh, bostonglobe.com. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break here on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. When we come back, we'll look at some prop bets. We'll make our picks also on the other side of the break. Ben, appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Ben. Once again, thanks to Ben Volan for joining us from the Boston Globe. We now welcome Ashley back. Irie Harris joins us as well. Doug Maurice is not with us this week. Sorry, Irie. Uh, Doug is Doug is not on the podcast. OSU's bye week. He'll be back for our post-game show on Sunday after the game. Uh, let's get to it. Some prop bets here for the Browns and the Patriots. Then you're going to hear from Lance Reisland, and then we're going to make our game picks. Uh, so I got our lottery generator going here. I don't know who has the first pick until right now. It's Ashley. You get to lead us off. This is my nightmare scenario, Dan. <laughs> I, like, as you people may know, we record these on Thursday nights, and I had an idea of what I wanted to do. Um, and the Patriots don't have really any individual performer prop bets available. Um, so uh, that that was the avenue I was going to take, particularly uh, with the Patriots run game. I think they could have a really good afternoon on the ground. Um, but instead, I'm going to look at the Browns in the pass game right now. The over under for David Njoku is listed at 39 and a half. And I'm kind of feeling the over on this, given the last three weeks that David has had. Um, I think he can kind of keep that momentum going. And of course, we all know the high praise Bill Belichick had for him, which maybe means David's not going to do like anywhere near close to what his over under number is. But I have faith that he's maybe hit a stride here. And this this is maybe, you know, we said it before. I think this is probably like the best three game stretch of his career as a Cleveland Brown. Yeah, I'm trying to decide was was Bill being like super genuine or was he going a little over the top? Like, I really believe that Bill loves Nick Chubb and probably wishes mm-hmm. he would have drafted Nick Chubb instead of Sony Michelle back in 2018, uh, four picks before Nick Chubb. Um, I think he probably really likes David and Joku, Mary Kate. Does he really believe he's the Browns best tight end other than Ozzie Newsome? Well, you know, there there aren't too many candidates or competitors or challengers for that distinction. You know, there was Kellen Winslow, there was Jordan Cameron. uh, But other than that, uh, you know, a case could probably be made. And once again, I don't think that David Njoku has had a chance to live up to his potential yet because he really hasn't been uh, the number one tight end uh, except for many, many years ago um, when he was, you know, a rookie, I think it was. Um, so I do think that he does have the potential to maybe even someday make a pro bowl at tight end. He's still really, really young. So I don't think that Bill was too far off the mark with that statement. And I also think that he may have inadvertently 
uh, spoken a good game into existence for David Njoku. I think this is going to puff him up a little bit. <laughs> and, you know, David needs puffing up. We all know that. Um, but, um, you know what, 39.5 doesn't sound uh, like too tall an order for me, for David Njoku. I'm, I'm going with the over there. I actually think that this is, uh, you know, just one of the places where they can make some hay in this game. And, you know, he can get that on, on two receptions. I think it will be, he will be targeted a fair amount. And I think that Jacoby's going to bounce back and have a better game. And so, therefore, I think David will have a pretty good game. Really quick, David's yard totals the last three games. Uh, against the Steelers, 89 yards, 73 against Atlanta, and 88 last week against the Chargers. And big thing we talked about on the pod that dropped in the feeds on Thursday was the fact he's getting targeted more. 10 targets, 7 targets, 6 targets in the last three games. So, overall, I like his chances, too, because of that. Yeah, Irie, that's the thing that stands out to me is just that the targets, they're throwing him the football, they're making an effort to get it to him in the screen game, catch and run. Um, 39 and a half seems like it's doable if they continue with this trend of we're, we're going to figure out ways to get David and Joku the football as many ways as possible. I do agree on that. And I uh, I think the only couple of warriors will just be one. If Belichick knows something that we don't with all the praises, he's just giving all of a sudden him and that's that stone face he got into because and it's, it's quite funny because the over under the number that they came up with was 39, right? And a half. And I mean, the last three games, he's averaged 83 receiving yards, uh, you know, per game within the last three, you know, 88, 73. So it's, Kind of, you we would think it would be a bit higher, but then you're just thinking, oh, it depends on maybe when, whenever he's able to get involved. Sometimes we've seen these games; they'll start off with a run, maybe in Joker, may not get a, a, his first target until the the second quarter. Just don't know sometimes, but I am because of the lower number than expected. I am going to agree with this and go with the over. I do think that this is a game where he just within two series combined within you know in a row where he can get this receiving yards out, and we see especially once he gets that that first reception going, we know since the fans can them then they've kind of showing it a bit whenever they get somebody involved within the receiving court or tight end court they go to them the very next play the very next play so if he gets one he may mess around and, and get the next two three passes going straight to him he, he can knock it all out in one series alone right there yeah and you know new england hasn't really gotten torched by tight ends but when they they haven't really faced a great tight end but when they did mark andrews eight catches 89 yards and two touchdowns uh and they're lost to baltimore so um you you can throw the ball a little bit to to tight ends if if you got a guy there. And obviously, Njoku is not Mark Andrews, um, but if he keeps on this trend, he might start putting himself in that discussion a little bit. And uh, you know, this could be a game where he has an opportunity to uh, to do that. All right, number two, it's me. Okay, so now I've got to come up with mine. I am going. Um, I'm going to do a first touchdown scorer prop. I think we, we might have a few. We always have a few that have to do with this guy. But my first touchdown scorer is Nick Chubb. And that is plus 400, which is actually uh, among the lowest of the odds. It's actually the lowest you can get um, of first touchdown scores. Ramondre Stevenson is next at plus 700. Somehow Damian Harris is on this list. We won't tell anybody. Uh, But Nick Chubb, first touchdown scorer. You know, Bill Belichick said it this week. The Patriots won 45-7 last year. 
And he said that the Browns offensive line waxed them, especially early in the game. Now, if you remember, that's actually true. The Browns offensive line did dominate early in the game. They got three big runs out of Dearness Johnson. They actually scored first in that game uh, and then didn't score again. Go back to 2019. The Browns ran the ball pretty effectively when they were in Foxborough against the Patriots. That was the game where Nick Chubb fumbled twice. Uh, the ball got kicked out by Joel Batonio on one. And then uh, that was a rainy day. He had one stripped on a long run where he would have scored otherwise. So if the Browns have the ball first, and that's a big if because both of these teams will probably defer the coin toss. I think Nick Chubb is your first touchdown score at plus 400. I, I like this one. And I like the Browns to try to start fast in this game because I don't think the Patriots, if you go up 14, nothing on this Patriots team, they're probably not going to come back. Yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to agree with you on this one, Dan, in part because uh, I do think that um, Nick Chubb is on a mission this year. I mean, he really uh, put out that hype video before the season, and he he spoke into existence uh, the fact that he was really taking his game to a new level. And we've seen that in Nick Chubb. I mean, he's consistently having 100-yard games almost every single week. And um, he, you know, he was on a mission with that long touchdown run last week. So um, these guys are not going to make it easy for sure. This is the one of the better, if not the best run defense they've faced so far this season. Uh, so the, the it's going to be a little bit tougher sledding for Nick. Uh, but I think that, that he's determined to help strap this team onto his back and carry it to a victory at home. I do think these guys are getting tired of sending the home crowd uh, home, just disappointed, booing, angry, and upset. And I think Nick is going to be one of the players that comes through in a big way in this game, and I can see him scoring the first TD. Everybody else on board here? Nick Chubb, first touchdown? They, uh, I'll pull some other options out there, too, just so you guys can have them. There's David and Joku. Plus twelve hundred, Amari Cooper plus twelve hundred. Um, like I said, Ramondre Stevenson is plus seven hundred. Uh, but if you're thinking Browns, Cooper and Njoku could maybe be options. Nick Chubb, I like this bet. I mean, these these bets are kind of always weird to me. <laughs> like, there's just so many variables when it comes to touchdown scores. But Nick Chubb has been the first touchdown scorer twice last week, and then I think in the Jets game was the other one. So I I don't hate it. I think maybe like if you're talking about the Browns offense, if you're telling me I have to bet on one guy, I'm going to go with him. Like, I don't know that the Patriots can stop him, honestly, because the way the way Nick Chubb is running, it has nothing to do with their run defense. It's more just the way Nick Chubb is playing right now. Um, they didn't have to go against him last year. That was the game. I think the one of the the game he was out because of COVID after the Bengals game last year. So they didn't have him last year. And I remember that was a big, at the time we talked about that a lot, like for as good as Dearness Johnson did in that game, there were a few runs, especially one of the early long runs that he had that, you know, Dan and I looked at each other and we're like, if that was Nick, that would have been like a 60 or 70 yard touchdown, <laughs> whatever Dearness ran for and Chubb would have got the last 10 yards. So I do like this for as much as I am always kind of wary of these anytime or, or first touchdown kind of bets like the odds i think are in chubb's favor on this one Irie, are you with me i stand with you then yes we're all in agreement on things today Every, we're all getting along see when doug's not here we all get along 
I, I was just just about to say this is where he would just give me that 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 look and just, and just you know guy what are you doing so don't worry I stand with you but no I, I do agree on that the way that this office has been running right now especially I think that with them learning uh, recent mistakes now are we going to expect a 41 yard run uh, in in the first series on the fifth play of the game every single time from Nick Chubb? No, but can we expect them to learn from their past mistakes if they, if they somehow get to the red zone and give it to Chubb and let him run it in? Definitely. And with them being a first-time scorer, I mean, this Patriots team is not like their lights out when it comes to scoring, too, either. So I, I will definitely stand with you on that within Chubb being the first. I, I wanted to look up um, how many rushing touchdowns have been scored upon the – Patriots this season, if I'm looking at this correctly, is it only two? Uh, I don't have it in front of me, so I'll take your word for it. But they also haven't had to face Nick Chubb. No, they There's haven't two. had to face Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb is a different cat. It's two. He, he's just an absolutely different cat. So, yeah, there, it's only been two. They've given up two rushing touchdowns this season. So, once again, as, as we said before, um, the – Sledding will be tougher than it has been, but um, but I, I still think that that Nick is going to bust through that, and I think the offensive line is is committed, and um, and I think they're they're ready to rumble. Yeah, look at that! Just two touchdowns doing this uh, doing this live here on on the podcast. Uh, Patriots and Broncos have each given up two. The Cowboys, Bengals, Titans, and Giants have each only given up one rushing touchdown uh, to this point, but. Again, none of those teams have had to face Nick Chubb on pace for 2,000 rushing yards. So uh, we'll see. The Bengals have uh, the Bengals have that matchup coming up soon. All right, let's move on. Our third prop bet, Irie, you're up. Now I'm I'm going to switch it up a bit because we're talking so much and so good about Chubb, and I don't want to play part and jinx him at all. So let let's let's switch it up a bit. Uh, I'm going to go to. Back to the passing game, specifically the passing yards to one and only uh, Jacoby Brissett. And right now, the number within is 213.5. So it's so 213 and a half passing yards. The over under is kind of going to been on with this, but I'm actually going to go with the under on this one right here. Uh, the reason, well, the couple of key reasons why is we know that he's been compared to the expect the expectations recently going lights out uh with them passing yards. I mean even putting aside the fact that he's only that they've played five games and that he's had five total passing touchdowns to match that number of games played. He's still going off 229, 220, 234, 230. But against Belichick, maybe maybe this is me giving Belichick maybe a little too much promise, but maybe him playing with him already and already watching film and stuff will find a way to catch on early to cutting out that that short pass or play making that the Browns have said has you know I've definitely gone to and maybe and trying to force him to really give more of a deep throw. And because Brissett is not one to be super comfortable when it comes to that, I think that there will be a time where we just start just just rush it a bit more as much as we've been talking about Chubb. And I'm kind of just going there with that within him throwing within the under uh, 213 and a half. I'm, I'm with you on this. I, I think 213 is not a, a high number and it's actually a number he's gone over um, every game this season. Is that right? Uh, no. 
all but one. Didn't in Carolina, right? But yeah. ever since he's gone, to, like you said, 229, 220, 234, 230. He's been but, on a hot streak. And and real quick, I was going to say he's been on a hot streak. And I feel if there's any man that would probably cool now in a bit, it would be um, Belichick. But uh, I guess if we're going to call this a hot streak, it's not like he's running off 300-yard passing games. So Compared, yeah, compared I, to our expectations. You know? Right, right. So I, I think I'm with you on this. I think this is an under – I think – you know, we'll get to our picks, but I I think this is going to be a pretty low scoring game. I think it's going to be a pretty physical game. I think it's going to be two teams trying to run at each other, maybe a little bit over and over again. Um, so, yeah, I think Jacoby probably ends up under 213 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to take the over on this. Ooh, uh, there we go. Some yeah. disagreement. I like it. I don't, I don't know why. I just feel like, uh, He's, they're going to have to be a little bit aggressive in this game. And I, I don't necessarily think he's going to be throwing it deep a bunch or throwing it all over the yard, but I think that, that they might be able to get some some yards after catch. I, I feel like, you know, like David or Harrison or Donovan, um, Amari, I think that, you know, one of one or two of them might have, you know, an intermediate catch that they take a little bit longer, Um uh, I don't know. I just have a feeling that he can go just slightly over, not a lot, um, slightly over 213. And I feel like a big chunk of that is going to come on sort of one play, um, you know, maybe a 30, 40 yard catch and run or something like that. Um, so I'm going to take the over here. All right. So we've got two unders and one over, Ashley. I've gone back and forth, but I think <laughs> if I'm betting on David Njoku having a pretty decent game here, then I kind of have to bet on the passing game a little bit. And I'm I'm with Mary Kay. Like, I don't think he's going to go too far over that 213, but he's kind of been rolling a little bit since week one. I mean, I know Bill Belichick knows Jacoby Brissett. But that would be really, really low yardage-wise for him compared to what he's been. 213 is not asking a lot. And like I said, if I think David Njoku is going to have like another 70 or 80-yard game potentially here or has that ability to, then I'm going to be, you know, more like Mary Kay said, I think they have to be maybe more aggressive to try to win this game here, especially if it is going to be lower scoring. Um, and if, you know, they're taking Nick Chubb away a little bit, uh, or Nick Chubb's not in like we've seen, then I think that's feasible for me, even though he is going against the you know coach, maybe like I reset, who's best suited to try and slow him down right now. I think this is, I think this is like a needs to be a big game for a Donovan Peoples Jones hmm. or maybe a big Kareem Hunt game. This might be a good game to put um, to bring back the the Hunt and Chubb on the field together thing. Because I I doubt that Bill is going to let Amari Cooper get much free space. Now, look, Amari can get it on his own, but I'm sure he's going to look at this receiving core and say, all right, Donovan Peoples-Jones has to beat me. David Bell has to beat me. Anthony Schwartz has to beat me. I'm not letting Amari Cooper beat me. I'm not letting David Njoku beat me. I, I, think if, I think if he gets there, it's going to be in big part because either DPJ steps up or maybe Kareem Hunt steps up in the passing game. Mary Kay, could this be a big Kareem Hunt game? It could be. I mean, it it definitely could be. I always think that they should, uh, you know, do a little bit more of that. And they they have actually, uh, you know, thrown some screens and stuff to him 
uh, this season. But I, I think that that's one place that they should try to make a little bit of hay. So, you know, it, it could be that. Um, I mean, they, they might just have to try a few different things to figure out what Bill has in store for them. And this is going to be have, have to be a game where they do uh, make some really good halftime adjustments. I think they're going to have to really be on point with their adjustments in the locker room. Mary Kay, you're up. Okay, so we've talked so much about Jacoby Brissett and interceptions uh, because, as we know, uh, he has thrown three interceptions this season, all of them in the final three minutes of the game, and um, and all of them with the Browns having a chance to tie the game or win the game on a field goal. Uh, so that's been a point of emphasis. He doesn't really want to do it again. The over and under is 0.5 for Jacoby Brissett on interceptions. Uh, the Patriots have four interceptions this season, including two by Jack Jones, one in each of the last two games. As I mentioned before, I think Jacoby is going to have to be a little bit aggressive in this game and and not play scared. I think he's going to have to, uh, you know, really try to air it out a little bit to loosen things up a bit. So I think there is going to be an opportunity for um, for the Patriots to get their hands on at least one football. So I'm going with the over. I am too. I'm just a real downer on Jacoby today. Apparently, I'm I'm going to take the yeah the under on passing yards and the over on interceptions. I think he throws. I mean, you're only asking him to throw one, and I know Jacoby is obviously very careful with the football, but I, you know, again. Bill Belichick knows this guy and, you know, a Matthew Judon hit or, you know, just somebody getting their hands on a loose football. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think this is a Jacoby Brissett interception game. Yeah. I mean, I think we've seen these last few games when he's thrown them, it's he's getting a little panicky in these end of game situations almost. And it's just kind of a heave and then it's gone. So if it's going to be a low scoring game or a close game, there's definitely the potential for that to happen again. And sometimes he gets too aggressive almost where it's like outside of he's making a throw that's almost outside of his ability, given the circumstances or given the pressure. So I, I, first of all, how do they decide half of an interception? What is half of an <laughs> interception? That just is funny to me, but yes, since it's only such, so that means therefore he would only have to get one to hit the over. Um, I definitely think it's, it's a possibility. And right now it's unfortunately, for the Browns offense has become a trend late in the game. We're piling on Jacoby here, Irie. Oh, God. Oh, this is like New Jack City. Am I my <laughs> brother's keeper? All right. 1.5, one interception, zero interceptions. I know that I earlier mentioned regarding him being under the passing yards. I still do stick by that. And... I'm going to have to agree within the interception. So to go over one, I don't want to do this. I actually don't, but I mean, I, I have to agree when it comes to him being a little too panicky, a little too hot and just second guessing himself within a certain place. If it wasn't, I think if, if it was not for last week's interception where, and I mean, we, we, we spoke about this already. I'm going to get tired of it again, but when he had more than five yards of this open, just green grass from the, just dance around and just jump on and whatnot. And you just, just threw it the way he did, and Dan, I, I remember your gasp. I remember your answer him up like this. I remember screaming, well, not screaming, but I said, what? The second I saw his motion and arm, and I just don't see how that doesn't 
have it again. Now he's not coerced into throwing another pick, whether it is a, a deep pass, which I, I think that, which I believe that the pitchers will force him to do, or just just a simple pass that we just think will be on and it becomes a pick. So I do see that happening within this probably low-scoring game. Uh, turnover here, turnover there, turnovers everywhere. There we go. Our, our prop bets for Sunday, uh, Browns, Patriots. We're going to make our picks for this game coming up. First of all, Lance Riceland is going to tell you how the Browns can beat the Patriots on Sunday. Lance, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. All right. Let's uh, let's get to it. What's I guess what's the first thing that stands out to you for this Browns team that they need to do to win this game on Sunday? Well, when you look at a Bill Belichick team, for me, you have to win the game. So they have to be really good in all three phases. Uh, they have to play really good complementary football. Um, I think one of the keys that that I when you have a game that's going to be really fast like this, there's going to be a running game. It's going to go very fast. They have to end every possession, offensive possession, with a kick, either an extra point or field goal or a punt. And I think if they do that and Patriots have to go a long way, then I think it's a close game in the end. I think it's going to be a really close game. But for me, the first key is uh, they have to play really sound in all three phases, and they have to end each offensive possession with a kick. That That's interesting. And we know Kevin is, is very aggressive. And he's going to go for it on fourth down. Does he maybe need to to put that mindset aside a little bit? I think this week, I think it would be smart. Now, I, once again, I like aggressiveness and I like, I don't really ever have an issue with those. Uh, I know you guys talk about it as well. I think a lot of those are really, really smart, especially when they have momentum and with the running game. Uh, but I don't think the Patriots are real explosive either. And I think it's going to be a field possession game. Uh, I think if a team has to go 80 yards plus, that's really hard for these teams to do. Um, especially for the Patriots, uh, if they have, uh, if Jones isn't playing. Uh, so yeah, I think they got to change flip field, flip the field, regardless if it's, uh, be smart on third downs, but yeah, if they can end it in a kick, I think they're right in it to the end. Okay. Uh, give me another key here for the Browns to win this game. Well, they obviously they're going to have to stop the run, uh, watching the Patriots. They're punishing inside their, their, their run game is really, really good. It's, um, you know, the Browns are going to have to help those defensive tackles. I think a couple things they can do is, is do some run blitzing. Uh, and and uh, run bits, blitz for me is basically the gaps that they're kind of reading. There is no reading. Just take your gap and, and kind of get there and, and stop the run. They got to keep those tackles on the uh, on the move. I don't think they can two, two gap uh, very much. So they have to be able to help those defensive tackles, uh, get some safeties down in there. Uh, you know, John Johnson and, and uh, Delpit got to get down in the mix in the run game. So I think, you know, they have to figure out how to help those defensive tackles, uh, even if they have to kind of move miles and, and something that not a lot of people talk about, but maybe moving miles and Clowney cover those tackles a little bit. Don't let those tackles have such free run on those double teams and getting up to the next level. So maybe cover those tackles a little bit with those good DNs uh, and just figuring out a way to uh, slow this run game down because it's coming. The run game's coming. That's interesting. We had uh, Ben Volan in from on from the Boston Globe earlier, and he was mentioning this more in, in the pass rush perspective. But he was thinking that maybe lining Miles Garrett up over Isaiah Wynn, which is the opposite side of where Miles normally lines up, could be something that benefits the Browns. Kind of get Miles away from Trent Brown. Yeah, I agree. And you know they can go where they move those guys inside. Sometimes uh, I think they have to uh, pass rush to stop the run a little bit. They have to. Uh, kind of play to their strength. So they're not taking on double teams very well. So let's, you know, let, let's see if they can angle. Let's see if they can slant. Let's see if they can move, um, see if they can get extra people in the box. Let's see. Um, and, and force the issue. I think a big thing for the Browns is they're waiting too much. You need to force the issue and whether they get caught, they get caught, but 
you know, don't take those three and five and sevens all the time. Force the issue. Take your gap. Go. Uh, I think, you know, they're going to have to figure out a way to be creative and try to stop this run game because, like I said, it's coming. Those doubles are coming until they can stop it. Um, they're going to see it consistently. But I think that's really – I think it's really key to play on the other side of the ball and, and penetrate gaps and, and don't wait and, and see what happens. Do you see similarities in this Patriots run game and the Browns run game? Uh, yeah, in terms of they're very, they're very diverse in what they do. There's a lot of different schemes, a lot of different schemes within schemes. So they're, they're, um, their zones and their powers and their counters and their tosses and they wham stuff with the fullback coming, whamming D tackles. They do a lot of different stuff. So – uh, yeah, in terms of diversity, um, and I think they're they're as I don't want to say as punishing because I think our, I think the Browns run game is really good. They're pretty brutal inside. They they like to get off the ball. Uh, give me one more one key for the Browns to win this game. Uh, they got to find Judon and block him. Uh, he's really <laughs> really good. He's um, you know they say they line up in a three four front. Um, that's just kind of what they write on paper. They're very very multiple. Um, you know, Belichick has been known to uh, take away your best play and your best player. Uh, that's really a, a thing that he does very well. So the Browns are going to be challenged uh, in terms of finding a way to move the ball. Maybe not necessarily with Chubb all the time because they're going to load the box when Chubb's in there. And even if they give up big plays, I've seen that in the past. I don't see the Patriots saying we're going to play base front against uh, when Chubb's in the game. So if they're in any type of, pers- uh, you know, one, two, or three tight end personnel. I see the Patriots crowding the ball, um, and they got to find Jadon. They got to block him in the run game. They also have to block him in the pass game. And for me, he's like a perfect Belichick player. He's a hybrid kind of guy. He's big. He's physical. He can play in space. He can come off the edge. He can come in. You know, he can play down inside if needed. So they got to find him and they got to block him. Yeah, he's he's a game wrecker. Like like when you see use the word game wrecker, mm-hmm. Matthew Judon's the, one of the guys you think of. Yeah, and when you watch him on film, that's exactly right. He just he. You have to account for him because um, he'll and he some guys you can run away from some guys you can, um, you know, if he's got you have to account for him no matter what where the play is going, because he will run it down. He will. Um, he's also very smart. He understands uh, what he's seeing. So he's going to understand what we, you know, what the Browns run and when they run it. Um, and they, like I said, they're going to have to find a hat for him. OK, before I let you go, Lance, um, just so everyone knows, Lance sent me a text earlier this week uh, when we do our Tuesday segments. And he's at the very bottom. He mentioned how close he was to getting his pick last week in, in that Browns Chargers game. So I think we've got you hooked on making picks, Lance. So, of course, I'm going to see how close you can get this week picking this game. Well, we talked about last week, I, yeah, and I'm, I'm big on matchups. And I really felt the matchups were in um, in the Browns' favor, but they didn't win. So it doesn't always doesn't always go to the uh, the winner of the matchup. So. I do not see a, a going into this game. It's going to be a really tough matchup for that front seven uh, for the Browns. Um, I see it as a low scoring, really fast game. And uh, I'm taking the, I think I'm taking the Patriots 21, 17 and a low scoring, um, really fast football game, but I'm, I'm saying 21, 17 Patriots. All right. Uh, sounds good. We're going to make our picks on the other side of the break here on the orange Brown talk podcast. Lance, thanks for the time. Hey, thanks for having me as always. All right, thanks to Lance Reisel, and let's wrap this thing up. Let's make our picks. The Browns, as we're recording this on Thursday uh, night around 6.30, are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Patriots. So I guess, I mean, let's just go in the order that we did our prop bets. Ashley, Browns minus two-and-a-half. I've been agonizing, honestly, over how 
to pick this game. Um, I do think I'll start off by saying on paper, talent-wise, I think the Browns are better than the team the Patriots are going to be putting out there, um, especially if they have to go with their third-string rookie quarterback in Bailey Zappi. But I just, overall, we've talked all week. I don't like this matchup for the Browns, given their issues right now. The Patriots have a pretty good running back in Ramondre Stevenson now. Um, They might be without Damian Harris. He's been listed as limited the last two days on the injury report. But Stevenson's coming off of a career game. Yes, it was against the Lions. But he ran roughshod over this defense last year. He had 100 yards on 20 carries, two touchdowns, 14 more yards through the air. Um, And they really struggled to stop him. And I think that's not good given the issues the Browns defense is having right now. But I just, for some reason, despite all of this, and I I have these feelings about how this matchup might look, I, for some reason, have decided to pick the Browns, uh, mainly because I do think they have more talent and I think they really need a turnaround right now. And I do think it's going to be a low scoring game. I'm going to go, let's say 17 to 14 here. Like, I think it's going to be really low scoring and I'm not all that confident. I wasn't all that confident picking them last week either, but I kind of just think Jacoby Brissett and Nick Chubb are going to kind of do enough for this offense. Cade York redemption field goal, throw that in there as well. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this was a tough one. I've really kind of, you guys know, I've talked about it the last two days. I don't know how I'm going to pick this game. And I was really leaning towards the Patriots for a while, but these things never go how exactly, exactly how I think they're going to go. So I'm betting basically against my instincts right now, which may come back to bite me. I shouldn't have let you go first. No. Because my score... Is it 17-14? It is not 17-14. Okay. It's 17-15. Oh, man. They're going to think we planned this. (laughs) So I think the Browns will win. I think the Patriots will cover. Uh, But again, I'm with you. I think this is a low-scoring game. I think this is a lot of running on both sides. I mean, if either team's going to like turn into a throwing team, actually, it would be the Browns, which is where you're going to take that Jacoby Brissett over. I mean, Bill Belichick is going to run the ball until the Browns show they can stop it. And they might, because maybe they just aren't scared of of Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones. Maybe they're just willing to say, we're going to go all in on stopping this run game. And we're going to run blitz like crazy. And you got to figure out how to beat us with your passing attack. Uh, yeah, but I, th- I think this is a low scoring game. The Browns are better than the Patriots. Bad matchup. So I think it's close. But I like the Browns. Seventeen fifteen. This is like Price is Right. Really quick, Dan. I mean, based on piggybacking off of what you were saying, like the fact that Stevenson might be the only threat the Browns have to play for. Like, yeah, that's a tough assignment for them, which they showed last year. But if that's the only guy, I think that maybe that that played into my thinking too. And it's like kind of trending that way right now. They only dressed two running backs last Sunday. Irie, if you say 1716, I'm going to kick you off this new call. <laughs> uh, only you wish. I am not going to go that low, but I am going to go a little bit low. Um, man, I, I really, the fact that the, the both of you has already said regarding them winning, I mean, it. I was, I'm supposed to be the one saying, I'm, I'm supposed to be the one looking crazy right now. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. But uh, I, I do, for some reason, um, I feel crazy already. This is every game is 
definitely from this point on now, if, we, if they didn't get it last week, every game from now on is a must win. This is a key win. Every game is going to be a turning point for them. And I'm, my God, I'm crazy. I'm going to go with them winning 25 to 22. I don't, as much as we talk about this offense and how, you know, they're a machine and should be able to flourish and, you know, be able to just, be able to spread the ball and the ball dis- distribution be diverse with them, whoever it goes to. I believe this will be more, more of a game, more of a running game, kind of that more gritty and, you know, classic in the cold versus your new England football team type of game. And uh, I was actually looking at, cause I'd seen that there were 25 on 25 separate times as the Browns running back uh, rush on 30 attempts. Am I saying that Chubb is going to do that? I don't know, but I would not be surprised if he got close to that number. That's just the type of game that I foresee happening on uh, on Sunday. So I think I'm going crazy. Browns win. <laughs> All right. Mary Kay, you're up. This is too much of a homer pot. I hate it. I hate <laughs> I it. I know. I know. I hate it. We need it. Where's Doug when we need him? I did. <laughs> like, I, I went into this uh, today thinking, you know, really kind of thinking that it, that the Patriots were going to win this game. I just, I just had a feeling that um, it's Bill Belichick. I know how his mind works as well as anyone. Um, And I think that he's going to have something cooked up for Jacoby Brissett. I think there are a lot of weaknesses that he will try to exploit and attack. Uh, But as I went through the day, I started to think analytically and critically about why I think the Browns might end up winning this game. And some of those reasons include the fact that, you know, defensively they have nowhere to go, but up. I mean, they have played so poorly. I just don't think it's characteristic of them. I don't, I really think that miles Garrett um, now that he'll be almost three weeks out of his accident, although he'll be going up against a good left tackle in Trent Brown, um, I think he should be better. I think Jadavian Clowney, even though he's kind of banged up, you know, he might be a little bit better. All the guys that, you know, that are injured on that defensive line should be feeling a little bit better. They they probably won't have Denzel Ward, but MJ Emerson is such a confident player that, you know, I, I think that he's going to be okay. Um, as I mentioned before, I do think that Jacoby's going to be super motivated to bounce back. I don't think these guys want to send their home crowd home upset again. I think Nick Chubb is going to turn into Batman and do whatever he can to try to run the football and run through a wall for this game. I think they know what's at stake. I think if they they know that if they lose this game, it's really getting away from them. I mean, they you know, Deshaun Watson returned to the building this week, a reminder that he needs victories handed over to him to keep this team in the playoff hunt. And so I think they're going to dig deep. And I do think that they're going to pull out a victory. I'm not overly confident about it, but just from the intangible standpoint, these are some of the reasons that I'm thinking, but I, I almost reverse that because I, I hate what we're doing here. I hate that we're all picking them. It's it just, it feels a little weird to me, but I can't help it. I have to go with my gut feeling. Um, so I am going to, I'm going Browns 26 to 23. A clean sweep. Doug is screaming right now. <laughs> he might, he's got like a sense wherever he is right now. He's got like a sense like, oh my God, I got to jump on that zoom immediately. Well, I mean, look, the Browns are a better team than the Patriots on paper. The Browns like- are a better team. 
like the Patriots, we talked about this, but the Patriots just shut out the Lions, but they needed a defensive touchdown and five field goals to get that 29 to nothing score. It's not like there was some kind of offensive clinic being put on in that game. Like truly, I can't believe I even watched the condensed replay of it. <laughs> that was well, hard enough. It was a long 35 minutes. It was. That's. <laughs> but go ahead, Mary Kay. Well, Lance picked the Patriots to win this game. Oh, then we so done. So we all picked wrong, maybe. <laughs> and so it's over. Ben. So the whole pod is not like the Homer pod. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole thing is not. There <laughs> is there is a little bit of balance in here somewhere. But I think the point here, and it shouldn't be lost, is that the Browns should win this game. Right. Like they should win this game. They are the more talented team. I don't think even if Mac Jones starts, I don't think there's even that much of an edge there, especially with the way he's been playing this year, especially if he and if he's hurt. Um, if Bailey Zappi starts, then you certainly can't look at it and say there's there's an, a quarterback edge there for the Patriots. The Browns should beat this team. They are a more talented and better football team. This kind of goes along with the like, you know, let, let's not make excuses for this team just because Deshaun Watson isn't playing. They're They're a better team and they should win this game. Well, let me, I, I want to push back on that a little tiny bit. I mean, they did lose 45 to seven to the New England Patriots last year. They're so well coached. They're so solid. They play well. They don't beat themselves. They don't get unsportsman, a bunch of unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. And they're playing pretty damn well defensively. I mean, they've got uh, Matthew Judon, who is the reigning AFC defensive player of the week with six sacks. He is tied for first in the NFL with six sacks. He's the only player in the NFL this year that has one in each game. And so he's been really hard to stop. And then their uh, second in line has more sacks than Miles Garrett. And that's Dietrich Wise. Uh, he's got four. So, you know, they're actually getting to the quarterback pretty well. And they have, once again, have um, four interceptions and they have forced five fumbles and they've recovered three of those, including one for a touchdown last week. So they're making some big plays, which which is what the Browns' defense has not been doing. But I do think that's going to turn, and it could turn, it could turn soon. It could turn as soon as this week. Um, but I don't know if you can just unequivocally say that the Browns are on paper better than the Patriots right now. I mean, I, I think they are. And, and I even think that game last year was like, that was like the warning, like, oh my God, yeah. this team is in huge, huge amounts of trouble after they lost that game. Um, but, it, you know, I, to me, it's just, if the Patriots come in here and push you around and uh, man, if they beat you 45 to seven again, watch out. Uh, no, nobody should feel safe sitting in their offices in Berea if that happens again. But um, at some point, you've you've got you've got the Patriots coming here at home, starting potentially their third string quarterback. Like it's kind of like what I said on the post game pod. At some point, you just got to win the game, and um, the Browns have just got to figure out a way to win this football game. And it's not easy for all those reasons you said, Mary Kay. There is talent on that Patriots team, and they've got the greatest coach of all time on the sideline. Yeah, that's what I mean about you know. It- it really kind of doesn't matter all that much what's on paper. Yeah. It's, it's right. I mean, it's what is what's happening on the field. 
And if you're getting your defenders to rip the ball out and strip the ball out and intercept the ball, then you're going to win the football game. And that's just going to be the bottom line. So I do think it's going to come down to, to big plays made by the defense. And it's going to mat- be a matter of which defense is going to do it. Okay, there we go. Our Browns Patriots preview pod. Uh, we will have our post game pod, obviously, after the game on Sunday. Uh, Browns and Patriots, one o'clock at First Energy Stadium. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed to our podcast feed wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also become a football insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to become a tech subscriber. Get that newsletter delivered to your inbox every day and also get gain access to those exclusive stories at Cleveland.com slash Browns. Uh, my thanks to Lance Reisland for joining us. Uh, thanks to Ben Volan for joining us as well. For Mary Kay, Ashley, and Irie, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.